seeing the captain emerge, there's like a bit of a sigh of relief and a few more members of the crew decide to move off to drink. However, I don't think your group feels any of this relief as the captain starts walking down the plank to the port itself, we see a small collection of rough-looking individuals, folks with bulging arms covered in tattoos. A few of them have crude depictions of the Mariner's Mark, thankfully not inscribed upon their palms, but on shoulders and forearms, letting you know that they are definitely on the rougher side of transport. And in between all of them is Sonia. Sonia is a heavy woman. I think she is about 260 pounds, and most of that is muscle. Very broad shoulders, very wide hips, and strong thighs. She looks like a rugby player and a football player sort of got smashed together. Just a dense tower of strong so flesh. So four arms, four legs, two heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many so limbs. things like, kill me, kill me. <laughs> and that's what she's wailing. I'm a freak. I'm a freak of and science. I'm two people smashed together. <laughs> Stop calling me Sonia. Two people. Yeah, two we people couldn't call together. it a voice. Um, but it harmonizes with itself in a really eerie way. Um, she stands there, arms folded, looking up at Oromar, who reflexively gives one of those winks mm-hmm. once more, and she spits. You probably have a precious few minutes before you decide how you're going to confront this person who looks indeed quite angry. I don't know if she's happy to see him. Uh, she's not. It didn't end well. Uh, someone needs to intercede. Mm-hmm. When we go out, Gable acts like the muscle. So like tall, but wearing like a big cloak with most of their face covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this moment, they step up front and holds out a hand to Sonya. How long has Gable been aboard the ship? Who knows? Ooh. Have you been on the ship longer than I have? Hmm. I Probably like... Yes, but not by much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But okay. but nobody really knows. I don't know like how much longer. Yeah. By the time I got on the ship, it felt like you had like had the confidence here. of a person that had been on the ship for yeah. a long time. So we so longer we than knew two years, we least. knew Ormar for longer than either of the other two did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And know a lot more about him. Yeah. One of the interesting things though is that Gable was never part of. Oromar's inner circle. Mm -mm. There were other people that filled that role. You still cut an intimidating figure, but this is the first time that someone like Sonia, who knows Oromar well, has seen Oromar without his inner circle around him. Mm -hmm. And she now sees this person, this towering figure who was on the ship before coming down. So she squints and slaps her hand onto your wrist and you in kind grab her wrist and do the Ariner's shake which is just making sure that nobody has any weapons a bit of formality in a very informal place once you pull back from that i've never seen you before oh but you have not in this context sonia i agree that it's uh We've not spoken before, but I'm looking forward to having a further discussion with you today. Ain't got nothing to say with anyone in his company, she says, directing ire up to Oromar. Yes. Well, without going into much detail, we would like you to consider this party a peace offering. We have some 
items that the captain would like to discuss with you and also perhaps give you some well-earned apologies. She steps back. I want you to make a roll Mm -hmm. for me, actually, to determine. I I think this is going to be a hard roll, but I believe it would be charm. Charm. All right. So I got three of these. So yeah, three green. It's going to be three purples. And I want you to take a blue die because you offered something that Sonia has been looking for, which is an apology. Mm. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's going to be the little, like, starburst The things. starbursts are successes. Starbursts are successes. X's are failures. What are the arrows? Uh, arrows are advantages. They'll cancel out the little target reticles, I crosshairs. Th- <laughs> I think it's a wash. It's a failure because your successes and failures are even. Yeah. But you do have two advantages. Failure with two advantages. Failure with two advantages. In this circumstance, you can tell, like, she steps back and crosses her arms and looks you up and down and then looks over at Oromar. She's not happy, and it looks like it's going to take a lot to placate her. But she's also looking you up and down and seeing the sword on your hip. And do you also have your great sword on your back? Or yes. is Okay. So seeing just your physical presence, the weapons that you carry, and that the captain's inner circle is not there, you think for a second uh, there's a flicker of fear. She's worried that you might have killed them. And they are no small potatoes. She does not want an open conflict here. And she did bring this party out here to at least have some sort of conversation. Mm-hmm. So she steps back and nods. All right, then. Bring your men to the tavern and we'll talk about this. You can port here. Thank you. We appreciate it. With that, she snaps her fingers and her crew of thugs follows her into the tavern (laughs) as Oromar continues to strut down the plank, winking at people as he goes. As he's going down, like he passes in front of Jonnet and is like, and is like, okay. He grabs like his long coat, like, no, 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 no. We don't need you anymore. We're good. We're good. (laughs) But he's still like walking in place. I turn to Dref and say, what did he do? Um, uh, it, uh, uh, sexual, um, and, uh, he, uh, abandonment. (laughs) There is uh, bad, bad blood, uh, um, between the two of them for, um, yes, but she's so mad. She's uh, so mad. uh, The captain had a, a a way of um, stirring up a passion in people, uh, and then, um, rapidly, uh, 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 abandoning that passion and to, uh, and emotionally, uh, there are, um, he's a, uh, he's not a perfect man. (laughs) (laughs) Good lord. It's like this is a bigger hole than I, to dig ourselves out of than I thought. Should Oromar even come with us to the bar? I don't, I feel like. I don't think we can afford to not have him there. Uh, we, um, you, I remember, are using this as a, a trial run. Uh, things don't have to go perfect. Uh, they just have to go. So we cut to the tavern. I think it's the Wolfsbane Tavern in Wolf's Tooth. Nice. I would like one detail from each of you about this place as, as you enter. Well, this might be obvious, but ain't nobody checking IDs. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Jonnet has, he's drank before and he will drink again, but sometimes they do not allow like minors in, but Jonnet was like very cautious about it. But then as like he was trying to hide like behind Gable in between like Travis, uh, but then as he got closer and closer to the door, he's kind of like realizing that nobody's going to say anything. So then by the time he walks in, he's just like, yeah, very confident. I love it. We'll get you a fake. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely in the corner, in sort of a shadowy corner. There's there's a an area that's kind of a gaming parlor. Yeah, yeah. Um, This place has stood for probably about eighty years. mm -hmm. I'm gonna say. What's something that was carved into one of the poles of the gaming parlor by a younger Travis? (gasps) Oh man, it says. William was here. Yeah. I think you, uh, like, as you're passing the gaming parlor room, you run your fingers across that carving very briefly before moving forward with the rest of your group. JPC, what about you? So outside of this tavern, it's interesting to know that they have a large flagpole with a flag flying on it. And it's the wolf's tooth flag, which is a white wolf's tooth centered on a background of like green and gray stripes. The reason that this is mostly significant is that the world has changed a lot over the course of the last 50 years and even in, um, you know, Dref's short life uh, time. Nation states have begun to dissolve and smaller, like, localities have taken control. So there are flags like this all across the world of places that used to have allegiance to a certain nation or faction that have gone independent. And the fact that they're proudly flying the wolf's tooth flag around this part of the country means that we are very much in no man's land. The tavern has ample exits. Oh, great. (laughs) Liz, thinking with that strategy brain. Ample. They're only exits. You can't go in them. Only one entrance. <laughs> There's everybody, there are a bunch of like people like, with strong arms exits. crossed. If you try to enter that way, they go, nope, mm. no, no, no. There's one. If there's a fire, there's going to be very, it's going to be really safe, but you can't come in. It's like those doors in movie line. theaters that like, you know, you can't go into them. They're just, they're only for leaving the theater. <laughs> yeah, but the, there is the smell of warm food in the air. There's stale drink wafting through this room as well. Uh, and stale food and warm drink. There's mm-hmm. the and there's also music someone's playing there are people gathered around clapping uh, singing along tidings my comrades we've done it again the dawn she is breaking our pints at their end by morning's cruel light must our sails ascend fly far from our families lovers and friends You are led to a sort of back room that's close to the gaming parlor. And really, I say back room that's very generous. It's almost like a tent has been built up in the middle of this ramshackle building that you can tell has been repaired and fortified and modified over the years to be larger using parts from ships. So you're led into this like tented area that you can see is a little bit more secluded. And as you pass through the barrier to it you can hear the din of the noise outside like audibly silence itself a little bit mm-hmm. at one side of the table is Sonia she's sort of surrounded by her thugs there are steins on the table that appear to be full and there's places for you and your group to sit and a fairly nice looking chair uh, on the other side of the table as well 
Does it make sense for the actual negotiation for Travis and Dreft to kind of head it up? I do think so. I yes. think so. I think Travis should be speaking during this negotiation. John, it does not take a seat at the table. Like he recognizes that this is kind of above like his position right now, but he does go to that seat and he takes the stein that ha- that is in front of that chair mm-hmm. and he takes that for himself and he's like, all right, let's talk shop. <laughs> sipping on it. I think Gable wants to stand, but seeing how uncomfortable it makes everyone who's seated to ha- have me tower over them, I, I take a seat at the far end. Um, the captain, <clears throat> Oromar, goes right for like the most prominent chair. As he does so, he kind of like disconnects his weapon belt and, you know, his gun and his sword, uh, and holds it up and like Dref runs over to grab it. Uh, the captain roughly like uh, picks up the chair, smacks it onto the ground, sits down, takes the stein in front of him and downs the entire thing in one gulp and then like presses the stein down and then puts his arms like heavily on the table. We uh, all kind of look at each other like, oh. You can see a smile, a very begrudging smile play across Sonia's face. The captain kind of like snaps over his shoulder, pointing at Travis, and uh, like kind of gives his hand a little like flick for Travis to begin. Dref catches Gable's eye as the captain does this and then gives like uh, Gable an excited smile. And I give him the thumbs up. Like, <laughs> I really want the captain to get into a drinking contest. <gasps> oh my uh, god. Oh no! That's fine. <laughs> that rule. A drunk song. Oh no. Never thought I'd see you brave enough to go anywhere without Calivar by your side. And you know that Sonia, she's speaking to the captain yeah. right now. Uh, <clears throat> Sonia is referencing the captain's former right-hand man, who you all know quite intimately. The captain has um, taken kindly to independence. He's branching out. It's something we all do from time to time. The captain and Calivar parted ways. A disagreement over money or goods or services. Who's to say, really? All that matters now is that the captain's here, I'm here, and you're here. She squints. Look, I... Can't say that Oromar left me with uh, any sort of feelings of trust, but I don't know you. Well, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Travis Marigot, and I'm an associate of the captain's. In what capacity? Any capacity he needs. I pride myself on my ability to wear many hats. So Thought to you speak. told me you didn't take male lovers, she says, looking <gasps> to the captain. Okay, um, is that something that's changed too? So I I want the captain to to uh, react in a certain way, but obviously non uh, non vocally, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm going to use divine to try to like cast away to like control my mm-hmm. uh, my zombies' actions. Our uh, zombie, uh, our zombie. Mm-hmm. Is this a what kind of action is this hard? I simple? think this is hard because it's a high pressure situation. Is that three? That is three. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's a triumph there. So. I don't know. It's a triumph, but I think it's a failure because it's a triumph and a success in two of the non-ones and a threat. So there's one threat and a triumph in there. What were you planning on communicating? Because that message does not get across, but I think it is overshadowed by a larger point. So basically, I mean, what I wanted to do is a relatively simple thing, Mm -hmm. which is just let the – when he says that like kind of – 
the captain's kind of leaning forward right now. Mm-hmm. I just basically wanted the captain to kind of like lean back, to, you know, when you're being verbally assaulted to kind of be like, come on, yeah. bring it up. <laughs> I think in leaning back, he places a hand on Travis's leg, confirming something that was subtextual before, but not exactly what you planned to communicate. Okay, cool. All right. I see that some things have changed. And also, I got a uh, a threat on doing mm. this. Normally speaking, this magic is like, it's easier for me to channel, but sometimes it becomes more and more taxing. The, oh, uh, yeah, that's uh, right. Two strain for yeah, this? Jonnet, Jonnet no- I'm sorry, Jonnet noticed that I had been sweating a lot as of mm-hmm. recently. I've been getting better with it because I've been working more and more with the captain. But it is like this connection between the two of us has to be constantly maintained. You may start to notice that I am sweating even more profusely now as I try to, like, keep this connection maintained. Yeah, that, that's perfect. Dref? Dref. Are you seated at the table? No, Dref is okay. as far uh, – he's kind of, like, seen and not heard. Like, yeah. he's, like, as far back as possible, not seated at the table, like, in a corner of the room – Trying to intently like keep this connection going, but he's like a he's you know the ship's doctor. Like he he's not needed in this at all. Yeah, Yeah. there's like a moment where Jonnet is kind of resting on like a nearby table that's normal size, but it's like high on him, so it's like supporting his weight, and he's just kind of sipping from his stein. But then he like looks over and sees like a more like strained drift. Just kind of does double takes that. I think. At this action, like seeing that happen, an expression changes on Sonia's face again. She looks to Travis with something closer to pity because she was done pretty dirty by Mm. Oromar and uh, she doesn't want to see another person go through that. Well, I imagine you could be a different man, not having Calavar at your side, being more open with yourself. Keep in mind, Sonia, this is, I understand there's a history, but... We're not here to dig up the past. We're here to set course for a new, bright future. Well, that's funny because I was promised to talk about the past. I'm owed an apology. And with that, you can see the large, thuggish men at her side, like, lay a comforting hand on her shoulder. And, like, Sonia. they have only murder in their eyes when they look towards you. But you can see in that gesture there is some compassion. Well, I think there's certainly a difference between... Burying the hatchet and dredging up the past, and I am sure the captain would be more than willing to make amends. James, what are these? So these are story points. They work like the light side, dark side points in Edge of the Empire. So you would be able to take one of these and move it over into a column I control in order to upgrade your dice just like you could in the Star Wars system. Gotcha. Do we think that the thing here, the danger here is that she wants a verbal apology and we know that he can't do it? So I think I want to move one of those over. I think Dref was at some point counting on this being the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so what he did through controlling the captain, and so this is kind of like a retroactive die that I'll that I'll roll. Yeah, had the captain Quill in his own like handwriting write out an apology uh, that he now has in like letter form that he is going to give to her. Yeah. I think I think that you you sort of prepared for a few different scenarios. Mm-hmm. So different pockets have different letters. Oh, that's so good. So you have to roll to make him grab the right letter. Oh, no! 
So yeah. Uh, okay, cool. I think this check is this check is hard. Okay, uh, but I did upgrade. This is yeah. Oh boy, this is great. No, it's just another freaking failure. Wait, can we help? I think I will allow some help in this. I think one of you assisted Dref in this task. If you tell me how you did it, I'll allow you to roll a blue die and add that to the check. Since we knew that I would be negotiating, it would be close to the captain. Mm-hmm. Dref sort of briefed me on the pockets. Mm-hmm. So, so as I say, like I'm sure the captain would be willing to make amends. I kind of lean over, put my arm around him, and like tap him on the chest, like yeah. on the pocket where the right letter is. <laughs> there's not, there's not a great chance of this succeeding, <laughs> no. but we'll try it. No. no. <laughs> uh, so it just looks like you're tapping him. The captain. What, what is the ex- actual role? Is it a failure or uh, it a is wash? A, it is a wash with a threat. A wash <laughs> with a threat. Uh, so it grabs the the wrong <laughs> message from the wrong pocket. How is this message off? The one that he wanted was like a straight up apology for his behavior. Like it explains why he ran off. Why did um, we make more than one? Because he didn't know, we didn't know how angry she would be. So there was another scenario where she was happy to see him. Oh no! Uh, where, and she wanted to like, you know, rekindle something with yeah. him. So he prepared another uh, statement about how he is like, since their last meeting, has become engaged and he is very happy. He declines, like, her offer to, you know, rekindle because he is, like, he has a wife who is waiting for him, which is, like, not the message that she wants to hear. I think also to this, instead of saying something like, you know, my heart belongs to another, but my service belongs to you, Mm -hmm. I I will do you a great favor to make amends for our how we left things. I I also don't think that there's an apology in here. No! Because, because... There's like the apology scenario and the I'm happy to see you. There's no need for an apology scenario. So I think this is the one that's just like, (laughs) thank you. And like, I'm happy to see you too. Like it's not, it just doesn't contain the apology part that she wants. I think you do still offer your your service. Yes, Um, yes, yes. So that letter gets passed over and you can see that it has the wrong seal Mm -hmm. on it. But he also does it with the same confident smirk that he was going to use regardless of what letter got passed over. no! And I'm going to suffer another strain uh, just because I feel like situationally it's appropriate that this is going very poorly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like you see that the wrong seal is on that letter. Travis, I don't think, paid enough attention to know which one had the right seal, which one had the wrong seal. This note will explain everything. (laughs) Also, no one knows except Dref because Dref was the one that wrote these. So everyone else still feels very confident in what's going on here. So Sonia reads it. And, you know, her eyes grow wide, her brow furrows, and also it looks like there's a wave of sadness that kind of washes over her. And once again, she she looks over to Travis. She sighs, so this really is the one then. Uh, Dref's eyes get a little wide <laughs> and knows that he can't communicate this to Travis, so he just sees how this plays out. <laughs> Yes, the one. The, that's the one thing that he wanted to tell you in this circumstance, and then hoping we could move forward. Well, I, I certainly hope that you've really grown as much as you say you have. But <laughs> since you offered service, I will take it. To be honest with you, Wolf's Tooth hasn't been doing very well over the past few months. The Red Feather Syndicate has been 
strengthening their hold on the region. Fewer and fewer ships like yours are able to cross any borders at all. Many people in this small settlement need things that haven't been able to come to port. They haven't seen a ship the size of yours in a good few months. And there have been red feather ships flying past full to the brim of cargo. And I've caught wind of one. If you're looking to do a favor, if you're looking for a friendly port, and perhaps if you're looking for a bit of cargo of your own, I've got a business proposition for you. Well, Sonia, I just checked my list, and it looks like we're looking for those three exact things. Well, I don't know what kind you of cargo you have. <laughs> oh, should I have brought a list? <laughs> Gable, please. What? No, I don't know what kind of cargo you have aboard, but Uhuru's going to need to be pretty light for this. You're going to rob a ship. Jonnet puts down his stein and just like... Slow. How full is it still? Uh, very full. <laughs> it's so full. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's been mostly working through froth at the top. <laughs> it doesn't taste good. It's very bitter. <laughs> but he just knows that this is what the, the grown-up pirates are drinking. He just, like, comes over and, like, he's just, like, hanging on, like, the back of Travis's chair because he's just, like, kind of getting into it. Certainly we could we could rob a ship. We could rob... A dozen ships if we needed to, but thankfully it is just the one, and we'll be happy to do it. It's the civility. That name rings pretty clear in all of your heads. I want to know one rumor that you've heard about the large Red Feather Syndicate cargo ship, the civility. I think that the name of the civility is this like widely accepted joke mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the manner of the crew is anything but red feather syndicate has their own rules for how people like engage in you know what they do but it's widely known that the captain of the civility has no such rules murder plunder pillage like all of the terrible things that pirates are like stigmatized for is are alive and well in terms of the civility these are bad people yeah, yeah. i think the rumor has it that well most eriners don't partake in that sort of thing. It's because they don't bear the Mariner's mark. Mariners, folks who travel across the sea, have a well-earned reputation for doing that sort of thing. It had played heavily into the fall of civilization before. There are very few Mariners that have sort of crossed into the sky. The captain of the civility is rumored to be one of them. I think they also have ties to the church. Oh, yes. Oh. They have like a priest on on the yeah, ship. Yeah, oh, mm. they have a ooh, a big bad priest. There are rumors that they never have to land. Yeah, they've just been in the air for years and have never touched down. Never had to make repairs. Never had to like re- restock coal or anything on the ground. They've somehow found a way to stay airborne. Kind of like jumping off of that, where it's like because they've been in the air for so long. It's rumored that, like, the maneuvering of that particular ship is just bonkers. They do things where, like, the crew, like, tie themselves to solid parts of the ship so that they can just, like, bank it almost at, like, a 90-degree angle and get crazy angles while they're attacking because they've just been in the air for so long. They just know it. I think... One of the ways that you steer in the air is related to the red stripes that move through your feather weave. It's a way that you manipulate it. And one of the things that you've heard that you're not even sure you believe 
is that the civility has only red sails. Mm. Do we know the name of the captain of the civility? Uh, of course you do. And that would be Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> I do like Franz. Okay, so his name is Franz. Ooh, can you have a nickname? Franz Fishhook. Yeah, Fishhook. Ooh. Ooh. The Red Feather Syndicate. Yes. They are a trading company? They are a trading company. They would be the equivalent of the East India Company <clears throat> for this setting. They're sort of like the East India Company uh, mixed with the Freemasons. They control the production of Featherweave. They are the only major producer. Everyone who produced Featherweave slowly got taken over until they monopolized the industry, which means they control how ships work. Before the Uhuru uh, became a privateer ship, before you sort of left the good graces, you were registered with the Red Feather Syndicate. All shipping that takes place between nations, or at this point, between settlements, happens through the Red Feather Syndicate. If there is any sort of centralized entity anywhere on this planet, it is probably the Red Feather Syndicate itself. They are the most important trade partner for pretty much everyone, except for smaller settlements like Wolf's Tooth, which sort of thrive on smaller ships or ships that are syndicate ships that are willing to be lax with the rules to make a little bit of extra money, that sort of thing. So it's widely known that the Red Feather Syndicate like controls the skies, but they have a, a certain policy when it comes to pirates. Their primary purpose is not to hunt pirates. They have, like, privateers that do that for them. There's mainly security on their ship. Franz Fishhook, who is the captain of the civility, used to be, before he was the captain of a trade ship, a privateer whose job it was to, like, hunt pirates. One of the policies that he is still widely known for, if he encounters pirates, he never kills the captain. He kills the crew. It's kind of given him notoriety because most pirates have some sort of, like, democratic way that ships are run, Mm -hmm. and pirate crews are terrified of Franz Fishhook because he targets crews and not captains. So most captains cannot keep control of their crew when he is in the picture because Mm -hmm. they will mutiny. Mm -hmm. And that mutiny, even though the civility is quite formidable, might have lost a few engagements had it not been for a fearful, unstable crew overthrowing their captain at critical bad moments. So Um, we know that her request to go after the civility is a request that, like, only the most desperate of people would even consider taking on. You want us to go after the civility? I want your captain to go after the civility. Well, uh, as everyone knows, when the captain goes after the civility, the civility goes after the crew. So, in a sense, we'll all be going after the civility. That thing, that, that ship is too fast. That ship is fast. That ship is aggressive. That ship is starving this region. And also, she leans in, and the people who she's with make doubly sure to check that these sound-dampening curtains are secure. I've got a line that that ship is carrying some very precious cargo. Hey heroes, welcome to the mid-roll of episode two of Campaign Skyjacks. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master, and I'm going to figure out how to do these mid-roll segments at some point. 
I wanted to point out that in addition to the wonderful original compositions of Arnie Parrott, this episode also used Division by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of Kevin's work over at Incompetech.com, and you can find Arnie's work over at ATPTunes.com. The One Shot Network has some live appearances coming up. November 1st through 4th, you can catch me, Alex Roberts, Jim McClure, Megan Dornbrock, Daniel Kwan, and DC at Metatopia in Morristown, New Jersey. Then, November 9th through the 11th, you can find me, Mel D'Amato, Megan Dornbrock, Jim McClure, and the Broadswords at a Catacon in Dayton, Ohio. Before we get back to the episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Matthew Friedley, thank you so much. Vivianne Morgan Sloan. Thank you. Colin Matter. Thank you very much. Karina Odio. Thank you. Eli Winter. Thank you so much. Erasmus Quayle. Thank you very much. Ben Hamlin. Thank you. Kyle Schaefer. Thank you very much. Hannah Taylor. Thank you so much. Benjamin Slivkoff. Thank you. Elliot Schutcher. Thank you very much. Bruno Falcon. Thank you. Therese Nelson. Thank you very much. Adam. Thank you. Ashley Brown. Thank you so much. Aaron Kelly. Thank you very much. Billy J. Gray. Thank you. Connie O. Thank you very much. And Megan Bob. Thank you very much. Thanks again to all of our backers on Patreon. You make everything that we do here at the network possible. And heroes, if you're liking the new campaign, our $8,500 a month goal will help us make this a weekly show again. I edited our first few episodes, but I'm going to need to hire an editor for the rest of the series. And the only way we can afford to do that is with more support. If you join us at the $10 a month level, you can have influence over the show by sending in Dear Uhuru letters, which will be premiering on either episode three or four. With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. How precious. What's on the boat? What's on the list? <laughs> Couple days ago. The captain twirls his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Couple days ago, someone passing through here said they had a private vessel. Never seen anything like it. Really small. Featherweeb didn't even have any red striping on it. Still sailed pretty. Said that they were just traveling around. They also said they traded an information. I'm generous. Gave him a room, asked him what he knew. He said he'd been darting through the clouds and caught sight of the civility. They were meeting with capital ships. Capital ships from the church, no less. I'm talking Ironside ships. Ships that only come out for parades and celebrations and the bloodiest conflicts. Gable tightens their jaw and is visibly more tense they said they saw more than one moving something into the hold of the civility the civility's still just been patrolling the region but you can tell the way they've been moving around never making contact with any port let alone a port like ours they're getting antsy they're holding on to something big and i don't know how long it's going to be there I ain't asking you to take down the civility. What I'm asking is that you board the civility, you get whatever's in that cargo hold, and you bring it back here. We'll see to it that your ship gets repaired after whatever conflict, and we'll split the rewards. You expect us to board one of the most agile ships in the sky and make it out alive? 
John it. <laughs> John it. John it. It's either that or we're going to float you. That also sends ice running down your veins. Floating is a pretty severe punishment that can happen to anyone. After the world fell, the seas rose. There are more rivers and lakes inland than there ever have been before. Normally, this wouldn't be a bad thing, but those rivers and lakes are tainted with brackish salt water. Any water these days is dangerous. It's a type of exiling where they take a crew of people, put them on a raft, and send them down a river. And after that, it's the mariner's territory. So it's agreed. We'll steal the cargo, get off alive, get our ship repaired and repainted. I'm sure we could do something like that for you. Because though I will miss that new painting that you have on the side. Well, uh, uh, most of the people in the room kind of shake their heads, but there's one of those stronger guys that's like, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) He's he's the 5%. I don't get it. What what is it? Doug, Doug, it's a it's a taint. His eyes get wide. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll split the reward. Except I get to keep what's from the church. You mean relics? If it is pertinent to me, I will keep it. No questions asked. Make a coercion. She's already afraid of you. I'm going to set this at average, which is two purple dice, and you have a blue die. So are you saying anything in addition to the cargo that we're actually stealing? Yes. Oh, okay. La, 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 la. Help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you did it. Oh, no, you did it. You absolutely did it. And, and those, uh, su- the those ad- threats. threats cancel out with those two advantages. Yeah. So you just two successes. Two successes. She eyes you. Fine, you see a relic from the church, you can keep it, but any food, anything gold, anything really valuable we need here. Thank you, ma'am. Then it's settled. When will they be nearby? You've got a day. They're passing close by. They're going to be looking for ships like yours anyway. I don't know that you'd be able to make it out of here anyway. So those are your options. Well, how would you, as someone who's been watching this this ship in the sky for all this long, how would you even expect us to get on board? They're not going to touch down. Well, I'm sorry, what was your name? Jonnet Kessler. <laughs> I'm the owner... I I work on this ship. <laughs> well, Jonnet, one of the great things about this situation is that's not my problem. Oh, you made it sound like you had an idea. <laughs> So tomorrow, we'll rob the civility. Tomorrow, we'll rob the civility. Thank you for your time. The captain kind of abruptly uh, scoots back his chair, uh, stands up. There's um, an untouched uh, beer on the table. Actually, it's Jonnet's because Jonnet brought his over. <laughs> he's still holding. He's still holding it. But then, so like, the, the captain grabs it by like the brim, moves it over to his hey. hand, downs it in one uh, and one like uh, turns it over on the table, and then holds out his hand. We've been practicing him spitting into his hand before he goes for a handshake. Oh, buddy! But he doesn't have spit because he can't produce spittle anymore. 
anymore. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he just like squirts out some of the beer that was still in his hand to like oh. wet his hand, and then he shoves his hand out to uh, Sonia. Sonia, in kind, like I think she was too busy spitting on her hand to notice. Yeah, but like some of the stronger guys in the room, like, like, like <laughs> really what? weirded out. And I do like the description of some of the stronger guys in the room. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, they they like uh, shake hands, and then uh, the captain uh, motions for his belt as he stands up, and I like bring him his belt, and he puts it back on. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like One Shot. The most fun way to learn a new game is to listen to it get played. Every week on One Shot, I bring you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere, and it's a great way to discover new things. Find the magic of role-playing games with One Shot on your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter at Tyler A. Dave, on Mainstage with Second City, or at IO with Devil's Daughter. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore, or at Comedy Sports Chicago with the One Woman No Show. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. Dref Wormwood was played by John Patrick Cohen, who can be found on Twitter at JPSoFly, on stage at IO with Devil's Daughter, or on his podcast, Hey Riddle Riddle. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E, P-A-R-R-O-T-T and you can find more of his work at atptunes.com Our logo was designed by Fiona Hisea who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat property of Together Studios The role-playing game used for this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Fantasy Flight Games There are no kings Take flight, heroes You've ever been kind And once for our friends Ne'er to rise Twice to the dearest We're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky